Hello and welcome to the West Ham Matters podcast brought to you by westhammatters.com and powered by the Ronnie Dog Media Group. I'm your host today, Jack. I'm the producer of the show. You may remember me from previous episodes. And my guest today is the very esteemed Luke Glanville. Hello, Luke. How are you? Good evening, Jack. It's, it's a pleasure, pleasure to be on my own podcast. Uh, it's always good to have uh, a guest of such knowledge of the podcast as you, uh, a regular of the show, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it probably would be fair to say that, Jack, yeah. Excellent. So you're going to be bringing us all of the West Ham knowledge this evening, uh, and I'm going to be keeping the show together. So we're, we're really, it's a role reversal for you, isn't it, uh, being it, on the other side of the uh, the host guest line? It certainly is, and it's a pleasure to be on this side of the line. I don't have to worry about... Um, holding the show together, like you said there, and and if anything goes wrong, because it's um it's all on you. So, Excellent. let's do it. That's how I like the show to go. So we're going to kick things off this evening on a slightly somber note. Uh, obviously, there was uh, the uh, racist incident uh, at the weekend uh, with Mohamed Salah and the West Ham United supporters. We here at WestHamMatters.com and Ronnie Dog Media Group would like to condemn that as always, and there was a statement from West Ham United, I believe it was today, Luke, you can uh, correct me on that. Yeah, the, the official uh, statement to, came out today, excellent. the public one. Yeah, so they said, uh, West Ham United said they have a zero tolerance policy to any form of violent or abusive behaviour, they're an inclusive football club, and anyone identified committing an offence will have their details passed to the police and will face a lifetime ban from the London Stadium. Police are aware of this incident. Luke, this has probably been talked about a fair bit over the past week or so, bringing up uh, many sore points for many, many people. Is there, do you, would you like to add anything to that? Well, you know, what can we say other than it's just absolutely chilling. It's chilling that this is happening in the 21st century, and it's highly disappointing that it's happened at London Stadium now. And... Um, all, all we can do really is hope that the perpetrator is brought to justice swiftly. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we want to we want to move on fairly swiftly over that, um, as it is such a uh, an appalling case. Uh, we don't want to give it the uh, the time here. Uh, we're going to move on to more brighter news. Really, uh, West Ham have decided to name the East Stand at the London Stadium after Billy Bonds, the former captain, manager, and record appearance holder. At the club, which is uh, absolutely fantastic, he becomes the third person to have a stand named after them uh, at a West Ham ground, following uh, Bobby Moore and Sir Trevor Brooking. Uh, we were actually discussing before the podcast, Luke, uh, whether Billy Bonds is someone kind of known in the wider footballing world, or whether he's really just a West Ham United legend. Um, and as I was saying to you. Honestly, I think he's just a West Ham United legend. Um, obviously, I, I know of him because of the podcast, but I don't think many people, certainly from where I'm from, where uh, in in Norfolk, so it's not not even anywhere close to uh, London or the East End. Uh, he's not going to be known around here. Uh, so, does it make it even more personal to West Ham fans that it's named after uh, someone kind of so close to the club? I, I think that's that's you know one of the the attractive things about Billy Bonds when when West Ham fans are naming their legends is that he's only really obviously there will be people in the wider football world who know who he is but when when you think about Sir Trevor Brooking and Bobby Moore everyone knows who Sir Trevor Brooking and Bobby Moore are and um, they're on a kind of different level to Billy Bonds in terms of fame but if if you're a West Ham person then Billy Bonds is is just he's he's almost the complete you know the complete West Ham player he made like you said, 799 appearances, which I think is a horrible number considering 
that he was he was one away from 800. I discussed on the Love Sport Radio West Ham fan show last night that um, he probably wouldn't have known when he retired that he was on 799 because they weren't they weren't so hot on their stats those days, were they? And I'm sure if he did know, he would have he would have stuck around for one more appearance. But we chatted to to Tony Carr on that show, and Tony Carr said that it wouldn't really bother him, and and he was he was incredibly hum he's he is an incredibly humble guy. Uh, Billy Bonds, and that's what that was. That's what makes him such a great man, great West Ham man, as well. I mean, for me personally, growing up, the stories that that my dad and other members of my family would would tell me about Billy Bonds, you know, you, you hear about these stories of a, a defender who would who would leave it, leave nothing behind when he went out onto the pitch. When you know, if he was bloody during a game, he would carry on for as long as he was he was allowed to off the pitch, he lived and breathed West Ham really. And he, he was a true he is a true gentleman and throughout his playing career. Um never never represented England surprisingly when when you think about you know most players who've made that number of appearances for a, a predominantly first division club in that country have represented that country. He he was due to under the reign of Ron Green Greenwood but he picked up an injury before he could make his debut and was never recalled, which is is sad, really. But f- footballers didn't live for the accolades back then, really, did they? They lived to to put to put food on their table for their their families. And and um, Billy Bonds is a great family man by all accounts. He shies away from the attention. He's never won for it, really. And in- interestingly, the the club probably probably won't like people to bring this up, but. He's very outspoken on his views about London Stadium, which um, which you would feel would change now um, that he's got Stan named after him. But um, but yeah, when when West Ham were naming um, a new stand and that East Stand didn't have a name, the the other side is the Betway Stand for sponsorship reasons. Then you got the Bobby Moore, the Trevor Brook in. There could be no one else really who wasn't already. Who hasn't already got a stand named after him? Who could have could have had that stand named after him? Absolutely, and I mean a man that uh, I think he played at West Ham United for for twenty one years. Uh, you for that length of time, I mean, I've got a fantastic statistic for you. That's longer than you've been alive, Luke. Um, <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> so playing for one club for tw- twenty one years, um, and sure, back then it was it was a little bit easier. But but even so, transfers did happen, um, and to just play so consistently over those twenty one years is uh, a true testament uh, to his ability as a footballer. Um, at West Ham United, and and at a time when West Ham United, well, they were a decent club, as you said, uh, a, a first division club. Uh, he captained them to two FA Cup victories. The only player to have done that at, at West Ham United. Yeah, uh, you you can't think of anyone better really to uh, to name a stand after. Than, no, uh, absolutely than, than not. I mean, interesting thing about his his um his twenty one years at West Ham is that he actually retired, um, and then came back. I think I'm right in saying and played for another six or seven years, which is just incredible. That's a great effort uh, to to call it a day and then go. Actually, you know what? I've got a little I've bit more to give. Ten more years in me. Yeah. I, you know what? Actually, I think I can go a bit more. I'm bored. <laughs> what yeah. can I do? Yeah. yeah, and then to go on and and uh, manage the club as well. For, yeah, uh, and, um, for a number the, of years. Another um, another kind of feather in his his West Ham cap. The um, a story that isn't told so much nowadays is that he was actually 
almost shafted out of the club by by Harry Redknapp, who who started off as his assistant, and mm. then it was um, role reversal, much like it is on this this podcast tonight. And eventually, Redknapp ushered Bonds away, and Bonds was was um, as I understand quite bitter about that for a number of years, and so were the fans. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be to be replaced by uh, by Redknapp in the uh, in in '94 uh, after after getting a decent finish in the Premier League the season yeah, before. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he'd been um, yeah. he'd been down and up with West Ham as well. Billy Bonds in his reign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to to go through to go through those kind of highs and lows with the club really uh, really says how much he he does love the uh, love the team. And uh, and we wish him wish him all the best uh, and uh, and to su- support the club for many many more years, um, as that relationship hasn't isn't still sour. Hopefully, no, no. It, I mean, it shouldn't be. Um, some will say, you know, why is it taking the club this long to honour Billy Bonds in in this way? And and they've probably got a, po- a point to be honest. Um, it's 2019 now. Like, like you mentioned, there he left in '94. You know, you know what the, what the club been doing all those years. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean West Ham. I mean, I'm I'm going to bring it up as a as a non West Ham fan. Uh, I mean, they're not exactly had a great record of uh, of honouring their legends over the years. Oh, um, absolutely not. Um, no, which is uh, which is a massive shame uh, for the for the club to have. They've got so many legends over the years. Yeah, um, yeah. But hopefully, finally, they're they're starting to get there now. And, yeah, um, I mean, the the club's been under a few different owners down the years. Um, from from a few different from a few different nations, and maybe their understanding of the the culture of the club and the history of the club wasn't quite there. Obviously, now Golden Sullivan have been West Ham fans all their life, so they know they know all about the club. Uh, I think a good example of, of that you mentioned there, and I don't want to don't want to go all out on the club or anything, but Tony Carr, who I mentioned, was academy director for an enormous amount of time. And involved with the club for for over over fifty years, I think it was before he retired. All of that service, he was the man who over, oversaw the development of players like Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand, Joe Cole um, as academy director, and he was he was given an incredibly low sum of um, uh, as a pension from West Ham, and and that was very public. You may remember it, you, you may not. Um, uh, it's not something that crossed my path, so unfortunately. But. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to see that now, and and um, we hope to see Billy Bonds at London Stadium soon. Because as of yet, I believe I'm right in saying he hasn't he hasn't yet visited us on a match day. So, well, perhaps when it's uh, when it's finally unveiled, uh, I think it's on the second of March versus Newcastle United. He'll yeah. uh, he'll make an appearance. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, sure. I'm I'm sure he will do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think with uh, with the three stands now named after club legends, uh, is is the London Stadium finally starting to feel a little bit more like home? Oh yeah, I think if you ask any West Ham fan, they've um, they will say that. Um, but results are a huge thing, and West Ham have had some fantastic results at home this season, beating Manchester United, drawing with, with Chelsea and Arsenal, um, big wins over yeah. Crystal Palace and and Cardiff, and um, and the and, draw on Monday night. Yeah, of course, Liverpool league leaders, great atmosphere, great draw. Um, it is, and it, it was always going to take time. Um, fans have had their part in it as well. You can't, you can't say that. Um, you can't really say that fans want. All fans wanted to settle in in the beginning. They were more focused on moaning about popcorn and 
all of that, all of that. Uh, yeah I, I, I fans get stuck in their way they get their they get their routines don't they I mean I know as, as a season to holder at another club I have my routine on, on a Saturday I love a three three o'clock kickoff I can go out I can do the exact same thing every Saturday home game I can go out and I can enjoy it and even even when it's to the same stadium, but it's at a different time kickoff, it just it throws you out, and I don't like it. And yeah, so no, I can't, I can't even yeah. imagine having to to travel somewhere new to somewhere that isn't what I would describe as like my home, my my home away from home. It's where I know the most. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'll probably find next season that um, Norwich, your club, don't have so many three o'clock kickoffs, and and that's one of the um, one of the the, the the not so great things about being in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's a shame. But then, but yeah, to have that kind of that staple of knowing where you are, having that as your home is is a nice thing. But hopefully now that you've settled in, it's been a couple of years now since um, since you've moved. So hopefully it can uh, it can continue being a uh, a successful stadium migration. Absolutely, three years in the summer, and um, hopefully, you know, many successful years will follow. Absolutely. So we mentioned the uh, the Liverpool draw on Monday night. I feel like we should probably uh, talk about that. Sure. Um, I mean, the stats say it was uh, a monumental underdog performance, uh, if you just take a brief look at them. But, I mean, you had more shots in Liverpool. Evidently, uh, Pellegrini just set the side up. He knew what he was playing for, did he not? Yeah, 100%. And I, I don't mind it personally. Some fans seem to mind it. Pellegrini had extra motivation because he, he wanted to do Manchester City a favour, you know, he said in his, he made no no secret of the fact um, in his pre-match press conference that actually um, he's still a fan of Manchester City, and that's that's fine. I, I'm certainly not bothered by that. It was a, it was a great result for West Ham, and I don't think many people want Liverpool to to win the league, and I'm I'm one of them. So it was um, a double-edged sword and an incredible performance. The the thing I don't like so much is is the fact that West Ham are able to pull these miraculous performances out of the hat against top six teams but and we'll probably see it on Saturday when it comes to playing teams in and around West Ham around the table um, players just seem to go missing really Absolutely yeah because your, ne- your next two performances really are, are winnable games and then you follow that up with a, a Manchester City uh, game away from home so you, you need to be picking up six points really in, in, in your next two games against Crystal Palace and then uh, at home again uh, against Fulham. Yeah, and, and you can't forget that the um, the Liverpool game was preceded by three consecutive defeats mm. uh, in the in all competitions, and and two the two in the Premier League. West Ham only had one shot on target, so it's yeah, uh, it's about finding that balance. And absolutely, it's something that West Ham continuing to struggle with even under a new manager. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the start of the season was was fairly catastrophic to to say the least yeah um, and four, four it, and, defeats yeah absolutely and then it and then it, it did pick up uh to, going towards christmas time uh you just got to hope really that you're you're not going to let it slip now uh after a bad run at, at, at the start of the new year mm-hmm. i remember i was i was um berated by um by yourself for, for claiming that west ham could could achieve a top six finish uh west ham aren't going to achieve a top six finish but I think around about the turn of the year, um, West Ham were in in seventh and only four or five points off Manchester United in sixth. So just you didn't just look so silly then, much. did you? No, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but now, now uh, I do a bit again. But um, no, it's 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 been an impressive first season overall. You have to say. 
for Pellegrini. Um, if you think about the signings he's made, most of them, we could, could say all of them really, have, have been successes to a certain degree. Probably the most successful transfer window in a while for West Ham. Club record signing Philippe Anderson. Anderson. <laughs> I mean, Anderson scored. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he didn't score on Monday, but nine, I'm nine goals it. in all competitions um, this season. Um, if you think about all the pressure on his shoulders, first season in the Premier League, he's done wonderful. Fabian Balbuena has been excellent in the centre of defence, and West Ham really, really missed him since he got injured against Watford. Just the other side of Christmas. Issa Diop, his, his partner in crime, has been absolutely wonderful. Lucas Fabianski, arguably hammer of the year so far. Just anyone who watched that game on Monday will have will have probably picked up on on how well he's he's played for West Ham this season. And even even players like Perez have chipped in with with the odd goal and and um and contributed. And if if you look at other players like Mark Noble and Robert Snodgrass, they've almost been rejuvenated under Pellegrini. So for me, um, as long as West Ham managed to stay in mid-table and not not kind of fall below 12th or 13th, it's been a very, very good first season for Pellegrini, barring the FA Cup disappointment. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the players seem confident in, in their abilities and, their, uh, and, and that they might actually be able to push on a little bit. Um, I can't remember exactly which player it was. It might have been, might have been Cresswell. I think it was whoever was doing the press conference today uh, said West Ham can push on and, and look towards eighth. I mean, they're not, they're only two points off of it, uh, off of Watford in eighth. Uh, so it's pretty tight in that middle of the pack table. Um, with some good teams in there, um, it, the, the Premier League is is tough nowadays. There's a lot of lot of big names floating around that mid table. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, you you can push on and 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 look to do well in that that uh, that middle pack. There's certainly a middle pack nowadays. Yeah, definitely. Seventh isn't beyond the reach of West Ham. Um, Wolves have got some tricky fixtures coming up, and West Ham been in around seventh for since. Really, that that winning run at the end of November, start of December. So, um, I, th- I think seventh will probably be the goal in Pellegrini's mind. But like I said, anything above twelfth or thirteenth is is very very good. Yeah, I think I think amb- ambition wise, you really got to be looking to push that that top half. Because um, I mean, there there are some classically big Premier League teams in there, such, such as Everton. Um, and uh, a newly big team such as Leicester uh, sitting in ninth and Wolves, respectively, and and now Wolves are up there. I'm loathe to call them a big Premier League team. So don't well, I, do don't, it. I don't know. I don't know. I just you know you've only got to look at their squad and their financial power, whether you agree with it ethically or not. Um, oh, absolutely. It's I another mean, matter, but yeah. you can't help but sit back and admire, really. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I mean, I, I watched them play last year, and they they were the best team to come down the car road last year. They were absolutely unstoppable, um, and they certainly looked good uh, this year as well. I mean, sitting in seventh at the moment, they're certainly leading that middle pack, which I'm I'm going to say really is sitting between like seventh and tw- and twelfth, with uh, Wolves at the top and West Ham currently at the bottom of it. But there's certainly no reason why West Ham cannot slingshot up that uh, with a good good six points out of the next two games. And, uh, and and perhaps even a, a good March as well with uh, some some tough competition in March, but certainly winnable games. Um, you could easily push on for that top half finish. Yeah, and 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 looking at the fixtures coming up, um, 
these these next two games, the, the trip to Crystal Palace, which which I believe we're going to cover in a minute, and the home game against Fulham after it. These, these are must-win games if West Ham want to finish seventh. These are the games that have to be won. Um, there's There's been a mentality problem at times this season. Um, you can see that um, there's a few examples, such as when West Ham beat Manchester United and beat Manchester United well at London Stadium in September before going to Brighton um, the following Friday and losing out 1-0 and, and showing a complete lack of respect towards the opposition in the mentality. Um, the, the Arsenal win was followed by a 2-0 loss at Bournemouth and then a 4-2 loss at Wimbledon. So th- there are there are some mentality problems, but hopefully Pellegrini sorted them out. And I think these next two games are, are acid tests in, in terms of whether he's, he's been able to do that and he's he's been... He's now able to motivate the players as much as he is for a game against one of the, the big six. Absolutely. So let's let's look at, uh, forward towards that uh, that next game then against Crystal Palace on on Saturday. Uh, there's some, been some, some good news on the injury front, as far as I'm aware, uh, out of the press conference yep. today. Yeah. Um, Manuel Lanzini will be hopefully returning after just short of a year out. Um, in the in the Fulham game and and Nazari and Anatovic are are fit for the trip to Sellers Park on Saturday, which was was the headline there. I probably took it right right off your um off your toe there if if we if we're using footballing terms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and obviously Marco and and Marco Arnautovic, sorry, had a difficult <laughs> uh, January transfer window. So uh, and then then pick, picking up. I think that that's injury. quite kind. <laughs> I'm being generous. I'm, I'm in a good mood tonight. Oh, I had bless, a difficult... him. bless him. Ah, <laughs> uh, that video will live in my nightmares forever. <laughs> Shall we talk about the video? I don't think you've talked about the video. Come on, tell us your thoughts on it. I think um, when we had James Jones on the show last week, he, he summed it up quite well. It, it was poor timing from the club. Um, it was. Don't get me wrong. It was a typical. PR friendly video, wasn't it? Let's, let's face it, all clubs do it. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely written by someone um, in the back room that's possibly not even a West Ham fan. Well, um, no, they've just yeah, ri- they've just written it according to whatever rule book the scripts are written by nowadays. The um, the style guide, but no. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a strange strange few weeks for Anatovic. Really, he he announced himself via Instagram that he was staying on on the Friday night before the Wimbledon game. Um, and then the club announced it after the Wimbledon game, which upset some fans. He also had a 20-minute phone call with a fan that weekend as well, Anatovic, explaining that the rumours were true in January, but he was trying to do what was best for his family, which is fair enough. Um, footballers are human beings at the end of the day. They've got families. They've got a life outside of football to worry about. Um, but that was weird because... All communications with players has um, have to be solicited by the club. So, for him to actually ring up a fan, um, he, he probably would have got a, a slap on the wrist for that. But listen, um, Anatovic is here, here to stay for now, and um, he's got part to play for the rest of the season. He's a highly important player. West Ham can cope without Anatovic, but he's a, he's a very very important player. He can help West Ham to be the best of the rest, and um, fans. Fans should should show him respect, um, and and vice versa. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be trying his best. He's gonna be trying to put himself in the shop window yeah, for yeah. that for that summer move. Um, if that's what he so wants to 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 help his family out, and that then that's absolutely fine. Every, every why, family, why as you said, want to um, go to China to earn three hundred fifty grand a week. Well, <laughs> this is the thing, isn't it? The, the careers are short, and he's uh, he's not exactly young anymore, is he? Mm. So he needs to needs to make the most. He's out arguably, of it. Um, uh, you know, arguably his best years have, have passed him now. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 honestly, I when I was hearing that he might actually be going, I, I was thinking, you know what, take the hit for the season, for the rest of the season, um, play with perhaps a, a sub pass striker up top if if you can't get a new one in, and uh, and just take the money and run because uh, how old is he now? Is he is he thirty one off the top of my head? He's he's going. I believe he's going to be thirty one very soon. Oh, he's um, actually he's only twenty nine. <laughs> I was going. Sorry, he's going to be. 30 God, he looks a lot soon. older than he is. Yeah, yeah, it always does. It's, it's um, he's he's got the the Diego Costa factor about him. Um, yeah, he really does. He's also looked that age uh, since he he joined the Premier League with, uh, with Stoke. <laughs> yeah, so. but no, I mean, just take the money and take the money and run. That there'll be better players out there that that you can you can pick up and and snipe off if if your scouting department's up, up to scratch. Which as a Premier League club, it, it will be. So really, start taking the punt. Um, I was looking at some of the uh, some of the statistics of uh, of your signings this this season, um, and I saw the average age of of the signing in the summer was uh, was twenty four. Um, mm. It was between twenty four and twenty five, um, which is young, and that's exactly what you need to be doing. Um, at the end of the day, there there is that big top six, um, and it's going to be just not impossible for a team to break that um, anytime soon. You can't really see anyone looking to do that. Um, and so you need to really be looking at how you can become the best of the rest, and you do that by buying low, selling high, and uh, and just having the best players that you possibly can, um, and not having one player at, at the top of the pitch who uh, who you rely on. Certainly, and and West Ham can can play Vatanovic. They've proved that this season, and um, he's he's going to go in the summer, as I understand it, and and if he's properly replaced. It could actually be an improvement for West Ham because he's. Don't get me wrong, Anatovic is a phenomenal footballer, a phenomenal character, but he misses a lot of chances. If if you if you watch West Ham week in week out, he does miss chances, and he's a he's a fifteen twenty goal a season striker. But really, should be a the amount of chances he gets, and to be fair to him, creates for himself, but then misses. He should be he should be up there with the the Agueros and. And the, the Canes, but you know, there's reasons why he's not. And I think if he, if he had the attitude that he he has had, you, you'd probably say up until January at West Ham throughout his whole career, he'd, he'd probably be at the very top of the game because he's certainly got the ability. Ah, ab- absolutely. So, so looking further into uh, into the game at the weekend, we've not talked about it too much. Um, how how big of a uh, how big of a loss for Crystal Palace will the uh, the lack of Wilfred Zaha be? Uh, how much of a bonus is that for? It's for West a huge Ham? bonus. Zaha has been the fawn in West Ham side many a time. Uh, I remember a particularly notable trip to to Crystal Palace. Um, it was actually last season. I'm thinking to myself, it's a couple of seasons ago because it was under Billich, but it was actually the penultimate game of Billich's reign. Uh, Zaha scored, I believe it was a 98th minute equaliser in a 2-2 draw, and it was one of the the final nails in in Bilic's coffin, really. So it, it's huge because we know 
the difference in Palace with and without Zaha. They're still capable of winning, of course, without Zaha, but it's a huge, huge loss for them and a huge psychological advantage for West Ham. Um, former West Ham player Chikukuate is actually struggling to make the game himself as well. So that will be another boost um, because ex-West Ham players often come back to haunt the club in some way, shape or form. So you really should be looking to, to go and take the game to them, perhaps? Yeah, this, it's a game that, that West Ham should win. And if they don't, then the players are going to have to be held accountable. The manager is going to be held accountable. And West Ham almost going to be back to square one um, uh, before the Liverpool game because there's there's no progression um, that that's what West Ham have been like over the last few years. It's, I wouldn't, it's not a must-win game, but it's a should-win game. Um, against uh, an opposition who are, are five points behind West Ham in the table, but directly below. Absolutely, and uh, and it's actually at Selhurst Selhur past where Crystal Palace have uh, notoriously actually been worse than away from home, yeah. um, which is odd for most teams. Um, but that's that's largely down to uh, to Roy Hodgson and the way he sets up against those bigger teams and away from home. And uh, and there's been a lot of respect shown from Pellegrini towards Roy Hodgson today, um, which is an interesting turn of, of events. Obviously, um, Pellegrini, obviously a hugely respectful guy, um, evidently has a, lo- a love of the game and, and doesn't tend to, I don't think, uh, talk bad about anybody. Um, but a particularly strong showing of respect towards uh, Hodgson yeah, today. Yeah, you know, I think. Uh, but. Pellegrini is one of those managers where, when when you're reading a, a match preview, for instance, there'll always, especially on the West Ham section, there'll always be a um, a section uh, on the West Ham website, rather, where it says, "And um, Pellegrini's met this, is knows this manager from his time in Spain, knows him from his time in China, or whatever." He's one of those characters who's 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 been and done it in so many different leagues, in. Um, all, all over the world, so he knows managers. There was there wasn't much uh, respect when um, Pellegrini was sticking three fingers in the face of Jurgen Klopp at full time on on uh, Monday to to show him how many points West Ham should have won from the game. But to, to be <laughs> fair to him, um, I think Pellegrini has got some bones from from when Borussia Dortmund knocked Malaga out of the Champions League in the semi-finals with an offside goal. Of course, Liverpool's um, Liverpool's opener was was comfortably offside on on Monday, and Jurgen Klopp was moaning that Liverpool were in some way hard done by by the referee. When if it if it wasn't for the the um, the horrendous decision of of the linesman, Liverpool would have had nothing from the game. Mm, and certainly, though, there's been some interesting comments from uh, from Klopp since uh, that game as well, with the FA seeking. Uh, to get an explanation from Klopp about yeah, his comments, yeah. um, but I think I think Pellegrini will be able to, to be able to move past that until the next time he comes up against Klopp. Pellegrini is, is a well-respected figure in the game, and he's very very gentle, very polite. I've I've known that from being in his press conferences, and he's got he's obviously got a lot of respect for Hodgson and, and vice versa. And you know why not? They've both been around for a very long time. Maybe it's almost the veteran manager union there. Um, but yeah, it should be there should be some respect on the touchline, as there always is with Pellegrini, and it should be a good match on the on the field as well. A good, well contested London derby, which hopefully, um, for from a West Ham point of view, the, the the team can come through and 
get their their first away win since the 28th of December at Southampton. Absolutely, and uh, and hopefully by the end of end of play Saturday, the uh, the city of London can be uh, claret and blue. <laughs> so before, <laughs> I just want to fit that one in. I don't even know if it works. I'm colourblind. <laughs> Right, so anyway, now we've covered the uh, the Crystal Palace game, Luke. I'd like to uh, push you for a prediction. You've uh, you've not been doing this recently, so I'm going to push you for one. Mm. I'm going to ask you, what do you reckon the scores going to be? I'll, I'll stick by my my um, score prediction from, from the radio two, show. One, no, actually, <laughs> oh. three two West Ham. There, there'll be a lot three, of goals. Two. Always is yeah, when it's reckon? when it's West Ham and Crystal Palace. Um, there always is. So, well, the uh, the, the fixture last year, at, uh, um, when when uh, Crystal Palace came to, to West Ham United's own turf, was uh, was three two on the eighth of De- December twenty eighteen. So there you go. Yeah, it was. There. It was. Um, Felipe Anderson scored a, an absolute wonder goal in that game, and hopefully can score another at Sellers Park at the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you reckon? Do you reckon Felipe Anderson's going to pick up a goal there? Yeah, but I always back Anderson to score. He's one of those players where even if, very similar to Pyatt actually, even if he's not performing well, well, he'll always do something in the game, uh, uh, produce a little bit of magic. And it can be game-changing, whether that's a goal, an assist, a key pass, maybe just a bit of skill to, to lift the team, then he'll do it. And he's a, he's a, he's a real match winner. Yeah, He's already exceeded all of my expectations. So he could be a key player. West Ham on Saturday. Absolutely. So that wraps things up here for the West Ham Matters podcast. Luke, would you like to do your usual spiel at the end of the episode, pointing fans of the show yeah. where to go? If you wanna, if you wanna follow us on Twitter, that's at West Ham Matters underscore, um, and we're also at West Ham Matters and myself at uh, Glanville underscore Luke on Twitter. Um, and, and that's it, really. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, Luke, for being a guest on your very own yeah, podcast. It's, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you again very soon. Yeah.